It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Matt Siraj, fourth generation owner of Community Coffee. My great-grandfather named it Community, just out of appreciation and respect for his friends and neighbors. And for 100 years, our family has been about two things, great-tasting coffee and great people. And as America's number one family-owned retail coffee brand, we believe it's our responsibility to continue to give them the best-tasting coffee experience possible. And it's why we're excited for you to discover your new favorite blend. Look for Community Coffee at a store near you. Ride. We'll hook up on the other side. Watch over your 
family and your newborn. Till we meet again, homie. How long will they mourn me? SWAC, the MEAC, SIAC, and the CIAA. The HBCU experience lives here. It's the HBCU Report with Rob Calloway. Welcome in to another edition of the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you another Saturday morning. Thank you guys for tuning in to the show. February 1st, 2020. Yes, sir. Thank you guys for, man, just thank you. Sometimes you just got to stop and just say thank you. Man, we are live via Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app. Don't forget to tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend that you can always check the show out on demand uh, via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play for Android, or our official content partner when we're not here. We're there. There is sportsnewsandbrews.com, your official source for sports, black news, political news, and the latest on your favorite craft beers. Man, what a week it's been, ladies and gentlemen. It's, uh, you know, I know we uh, we actually didn't have a show last week. I mean, we didn't take the week off. Uh, we were doing the uh, Honda Battle of the Bands thing, and so, you know, we were uh, knee-deep into that. And so, you know, me and the crack staff, there was no way we were going to be able to multitask and, and, and pull off both. And so um, the Honda Battle of the Bands was... Uh, it was great, man. Jesus Christ, it was great. Let's just be honest. Yeah, if you were there, you know what I'm talking about. It was, oh uh, yeah, it was one of the um, one of the better ones that I can remember, man. Shouts out to all the bands that participated: Hampton, North Carolina A and T, Benedict, Tennessee State, FAMU, Jackson State, uh, Grambling State, Prairie View A and M. Uh, and we're gonna talk more about it. I'm actually gonna. Not really gonna rate the bands because I'm not really a band raider. I don't really get into all of that, but you know, I am gonna recap the Honda Battle of the Bands. Uh coming up 
uh, on today's show. Um, man, you know, kind of hard to get around. Uh, Jesus Christ, this has been a, one of the more somber weeks that I can remember, not just in sports, not just in media, but in all of the world. I mean, there's just no way that we can get around this. Uh, Sunday, nine individuals uh, perished in a, a helicopter crash, and one of those being um, arguably the greatest basketball player of all times, Kobe being Bryant. And so, you know, this has to be one of the, the saddest moments uh, in, in my sports career. Uh, I'm almost at 20. December will make 20 years for me. And uh, I just don't remember a story that was um, so gut-wrenching. I mean, just so gut-wrenching. I mean, from, you know, from several perspectives. And, um, you know, when you talk about from a, a family perspective, I mean, we had families that were almost completely wiped out. You know, we have uh, a few kids that lost mom, dad, and a sibling you know, or mom, or mom and a sibling, you know, or in, in, in Kobe's case, you know, and, and this is the thing that we had to put in perspective. We love the mamba. We love the, the mamba mentality that he brought to the game. But Vanessa and those three other girls, they lost a, a dad, a husband, a daughter, a sibling. And that's the part that really resonates with me. You know, accidents happen all the time. Let's just be honest. Car accidents, plane crashes, helicopter accidents. But it's not until it's someone that you can closely associate with that it hit it really hits home, right? It really hits home. You know, I have to be honest, I haven't been watching a whole lot of Kobe highlights haven't really been watching a whole lot of Kobe stories. You know, I gave it Sunday and it was just so draining Sunday. I was like, mm, I'm going to check in Monday. I'm going to check in Tuesday. And by Tuesday, the God honest truth is, man, it, it had just become so, so unbearable to me. You know, I mean, it was just a lot, a lot. I mean, and then you, you know, I mean, this week, you know, I had to just full disclosure, like this week is always just a terrible week for me. Okay. Like, um, January 29th, 2001, I lost my dad in a horrific car accident. And I'm not trying to make this about me. And 19 years later, here I am. And things still aren't the same for me. My life is still not, I don't have a normal they always talk about a new normal. There is no such thing. There's no such thing. And so, you know, my heart goes out to everybody that was affected in this accident. You know, the Bryant family, you know, they just really stand out because we know them. But everybody, man, everybody, everybody. And so, um, yeah, 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 yeah. 
you know, I didn't know I didn't know what was gonna happen when I cut the mic on today. I didn't know if I was just gonna start just you know, just rambling. So I'm trying to stay on stay on topic because there's so much that you can say. There's so much that you can say. Um a couple other things and we will continue to set the show up. Uh shouts out to my girl L Duncan. Um, you know, if you all saw the story that she did on ESPN about her interaction with Kobe Bryant and how the whole hashtag uh, girl dad thing took off after um, after her segment went viral. Man, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, I know that I'm a girl dad. I know that my dad was a girl dad. You know, I have two two sisters. And, man, my dad loved them with everything he had. And, and one of the reasons why I can associate so closely with, with what's going on right now is because at the time of, of, of my dad's death, my sisters were like uh, 11 and 8. So they were right there in that same age bracket, age group um, with, with Kobe's kids. And, you know, and I just, you know, I, I can really relate. I can really relate. Um, this is the HBCU Report. Uh, Rob Calloway hanging out with you. Um, you know, I'm not trying to put a damper on the show because, you know, I always try to keep this thing upbeat and live and, you know. Um, but it's been, I mean, it's been a hell of a week. You know, I talked to my guys up in Seattle, uh, Z-Twins Radio. I do a a, a weekly radio um, hit with them, uh, Sports the Callaway or NBA the Callaway. We do that Thursday at uh, 1.30 uh, Pacific time. And, uh, you know, I was able to get a little bit off my chest, but I knew I was going to have to say something today. I knew I was going to have to say something. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when we reflect on Kobe and I'm not trying to eulogize the brother, you know, great game last night. Um, the Lakers and, and trailblazers, uh, Lakers came up short, but awesome tribute to Kobe. Um, and, and as I said, I'm not trying to eulogize him on my show, but what I will say is, is that something that if you listen to the show on a regular basis, a few weeks ago, we had uh, Joe Taylor on the show, uh, former uh, head football coach at Hampton University, Florida A&M, and we were talking about controlling the dash, right? The dash. For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, the dash. We have two sets of predetermined numbers. We have those numbers that represent our birth year, birth date. And then we have those set of numbers that represent the day that we left this earth and all that we have that we can control because we can't control either one of those sets of numbers. All we can control is the dash in the middle. And Kobe controlled the hell out of that dash. You know, coach Taylor went on to tell us that dash actually stood for discipline attitude, sacrifice, and habits. And when we think about Kobe Bryant and we think about those four words, my God, my God, discipline, attitude, sacrifice, habits. If there was one thing that I know this dude did is that he controlled that dash. You know, and for me, that's why I am in life right now, man. I, I can't lie. You know, me and Kobe, same age, couple months apart. And that's why I am too, man. I'm 
I'm about trying to control the dash. And I've been preaching this since uh, Coach Taylor uh, brought this up on the show, the first show we did of the new year. And it was just so powerful. I was just like, my God, like I have to take this and run with this. You know, because um, life is all about evolving, man. Jesus, it's about evolving. Um, And if you're not evolving, then I just, I really don't know what you're doing here. We saw the Mamba evolve from being this kid that had all this talent to being a, an assassin on the court with, with I mean, just a mentality of a man, like, of a Mamba, of a black Mamba, the deadliest snake on the planet. And we saw him evolve to being a, a father and a husband and a great father. Woo, a great father. You know, we saw him evolving. You know, and that's that's what life is all about, man, evolving. And so, again, I'm just, I challenge everybody. You know, if you look at yourself in the mirror, ask yourself, are you evolving? You Just be honest with yourself. To thine own self, be true. Are you evolving? You know, because Kobe evolved from being a likable kid to a, to a, a guy that people really didn't like on the court to being a, a friendly guy in retirement again. You know, I mean, it's about evolving, man. You got to, you know, sometimes you got to be selfish to get to certain places, and I totally understand that. Um, but it's got to be, you got to be evolving in, in the right manner, in the right manner. So that's all I'll say about that. This is the HBCU Report. I am Rob Calloway. Um, you know, just had to get a little, little bit of that off my chest, man, you know. Um, got a great show lined up for you. Um, my marathon, Jesus, I forgot to even talk about that. You know, just got so caught up in this Kobe controlling the dash conversation, but I've got my marathon coming up next week. And so uh, I'll talk about that coming up on the other side. Also, um, the Super Bowl is tomorrow, man. I don't even know if I even really need to see the Super Bowl. I don't have a dog in the fight or a bird in the game. Wish the Falcons were there, but oh, that's another story. But coming up on the other side, we are going to talk about, uh, in addition to talk about my marathon I have coming up next week, um, we're going to talk about um, the Super Bowl, Kansas City in, in particular. But, of course, we're going to talk about it from an HBCU perspective because uh, this year's game, it's kind of missing. It's kind of missing the HBCU experience. So we're going to talk about that. We definitely got to talk about that. Then we're going to uh, rate the bands from last week. We're not going to rate them. We're just going to talk about them. The bands from last week's Honda Battle of the Bands. Oh, also coming up. How could I forget this? Coming up, we've got Dr. Nicole Roebuck, director of bands, Grambling State University, going to check in with the show, and also Deshaun Tate. From Atlanta Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Atlanta Hawks flagship station. He's going to check in with us to talk a little Kobe. All right, so stay tuned. We'll be right back after these words. It was a goal that I wanted to achieve from the very beginning. I'm a 40-year-old man that walked in there to get his high school diploma. I wasn't sure if I could do it. It was very hard for me, but the teachers, the counselors, they help you. One of the teachers was Miss Araceli. Miss Araceli, she gave me direction. Every single time I had a question, she'll put down whatever she's doing and she'll come over and she'll sit there with you until you get it. At age 47, with the help of his teacher, 
Marco finished his high school diploma. 50% of getting your high school diploma is walking through those doors. The other 50% is doing the work. Getting your high school diploma, it is a life-changing experience. It really is. It catapults you to where you want to go. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your phone? Taking pictures? No, I'm asking you questions. Like what? Hey, Bobo, do flowers have best friends? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey, follow me. I want to show you something. Look, flowers do have best friends. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. HBCU sports fans, you finally have a voice. The HBCU experience lives here. This is the HBCU Report with Rob Calloway. Ready for action, nip it in the bud, we never relaxing. Outcast is everlasting, not clashing, not at all. But see, my nigga went to do a little acting. Now that's for anyone asking. Give me one and pass them. Drip, drip, drop, there it goes an orgasm. Now you coming out the side of your face, we tapping right into your memory bank. Thanks. So click at the ticket, let's see your seatbelt fasten. Trunk rattling, like two midgets in the back seat rattling. Speaker box vibrate the tag, make it sound like aluminum cans in a bag. But I know y'all wanted that 808, can you feel that BASS bass? But I know y'all wanted that 808, can you feel that BASS Sir Lucius Left Foot, Antoine Patton, <laughs> Big Boy of Outcast turns 45 today, man. Happy birthday to Big Boy. One half of the mighty, mighty, mighty Outcast. Yes, sir. Don't forget, you can follow the HBCU Report on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at HBCU Report. When we're not here, we're there. There is sportsnewsandbrews.com, our official content partner, uh, your official source for sports, black news, political news, and the latest on your favorite craft beers. 
uh, make sure you check out the website. I can't lie, man. We had uh, so much momentum going into uh, last weekend. Then we had the the Hunter Battle of the Bands. I recorded so much. I mean, I actually have a um, little Hunter Battle of the Bands thing I'm going to put on social media this weekend, or I'm going to try to do it today. But um, I was working on it Saturday night after the event. Um, Sunday, you know, as I told you guys, uh, been training for my marathon. I had to go out for a long run Sunday. You know, my 18-mile run Sunday. Got home, took a nap, woke up to the news about Kobe. Kind of everything just kind of fell apart at that point. You know, didn't finish the uh, the recap that I had started, you know, that I was working on. And it was just a lot. It was a lot. So, you know, the HBCU report, we definitely uh, remember uh, the life and legacy of uh, Kobe Bean Bryant. Gone way too soon, way too soon. Um, But as I was saying, my marathon is coming up uh, next weekend, next Sunday to be exact. I'll be on the road uh, this time next week. And so uh, there will not be an HBCU report next week. Uh, as I get ready for for my marathon. And let me just say this, ladies and gentlemen. This has been one of the most defining moments, defining some of the most defining days and weeks and months of my life. I can't lie about it. Now, I've been running since uh, 2000, I don't know, since 2005. Yeah, like 2005, somewhere around there. And uh, wasn't really consistent as I should be. And in 2010, I got super focused, laser focused. I uh, hopped on board with this whole Nike uh, Nike Plus, the Nike Run app and all of that stuff and kind of took my, took my runs to new dimensions. And so uh, as I've been getting ready for this New Orleans marathon, the New Orleans Rock and Roll Marathon, uh, you know, I feel like I've tapped into another part of myself. I don't know how many of you all remember at the beginning of the year, I was telling you all that I was doing a 12-day fast with my church while training for a marathon, okay? And all I could eat uh, for 12 hours from um, midnight to 4 p.m., all I could have was water and juice. Now, from 4 p.m. until I got ready to go to bed, I could have pretty much, you know, whatever. Oh, I'm not going to say whatever. There, it was still no sweets, no meats, and no alcohol. But, you know, I could pretty much carb load how I needed to at night for my workouts. And uh, it, it's been, it was tough. It was tough, but, again, it allowed me to tap into a, 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 a part of myself that I would never have even gone. I would never have gone there. Fasting? What? No. But between fasting and actually preparing to, go out here and complete a 26.1-mile marathon, man, I've just found a better version of myself. And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, man. So big shouts out to all of my runners. Uh, actually, my girl, uh, April Moore, she just completed her and like 30 other black runners. They just completed this this trick where they went to Antarctica and ran a marathon in Antarctica and then I can't remember where the original place that, that wherever the original place they flew into, as soon as they got back from Antarctica, they had another marathon in the place where they were actually staying. So they ran two marathons back to back. And so again, shouts out to all my runners. Shouts out to all my black runners out there, man. Out here killing it. Out here killing it. 
This is the HBCU Report. Uh, you know what? Before I even do this, I hope I do well. I'm praying that I do well. I have my final long run uh, tomorrow, 13 miler, and then you know, then I'm gonna start shutting it down and go on, go for a couple short runs uh, till Wednesday, and then I'm gonna shut it down. So, this is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway hanging out with you. Oh man, Saturday, February first, February, February first, uh, twenty twenty. Uh, thank you guys for for tuning into the show. Make sure you tell a friend, to tell a friend, to tell a friend uh, that they can always catch the HBCU report on demand via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play for Android, and also uh, our content partner, SportsNewsAndBrews dot com. Super Bowl tomorrow. How many of you all are excited? Really? Come on, don't lie. Well, I mean, I'm kind of excited, but not really. I mean, see, here's the thing. I'm always I'm one of these guys that anytime there's a big game, basketball, well, you can really exclude basketball and, and baseball, but football definitely. You know, I always go back and look at the rosters, like right around this time, Super Bowl. I always go back, look at the rosters, try to see, you know, is there any HBCU talent out there in the Super Bowl? Well, this year... Man, we got a little flavor. We we have one representative, Alex Brown out of South Carolina State University. The rookie is our lone representative of historical black colleges and universities. So, so this article on the undefeated, undefeated.com. Sometimes the undefeated really has some good stuff, and sometimes I'm like, uh, y'all could really have kept that. But they did a wonderful article. And uh, let me see, who whose article is this? This is actually uh, Samuel Friedman, who wrote an article talking about the Kansas City Chiefs and how the last time they, they were in the Super Bowl, they won with HBCU talent. So, I'm, you know, I'm very interested in the angle that this article is coming from. So I start looking through and I'm like, wow, you know, Lloyd Wells was uh, the first full-time black scout in, in pro football. And he was scout for the Kansas city chiefs. Right? So what did he do, man? He went and found talent from HBCUs to, to the draft. Oh my God. That just resonated so strong with me. It resonated, and you know why? The reason, reason being, and and just, hold on, just excuse me. Let me go back. The most awesome part about this championship team is that twelve of the twenty-two starters represented HBCUs. They had thirteen on the forty-four man roster. Now, moving forward, what made this so awesome, and why it resonated with me so much? is because I was saying to myself, self, a lot of times we get overlooked and I'm often wondering why. Why do we get why do we get overlooked? And sometimes you don't really have to go that far. Now, I don't have the names and the ethnicities of all the NFL scouts, okay? So, I'll just have to be honest with with you from that point. This is me. This is almost me just speaking from my heart. Okay. I think that because there's no real representation of us. And when I say us, I mean HBCU alum 
the HBCU community in these positions, it kind of starts to create a, you know, I, I don't know what you want to call it, but it creates a situation where talent that we know, you know, guys that we know have NFL or pro football talent, they don't really even get a look because nobody is going to those particular schools, okay? Like, I just feel like if I was an if I was a NFL scout, I feel like one of the, the, the first places that I would tap in would be HBCUs because that's my direct connection, okay? Now, if you're a scout and you went to UGA or Alabama or any of those places, then I get it. You're going to, you know, in your mind, you're going to be thinking, yeah, big big time football, grown man football, SEC or whatever, right? And and, and no disrespect, you know, I get it. But I think, and, and again, we might have some. I'm going to do more research because I'm all about that, and then I'm going to come back uh, in two weeks uh, when we come back after the marathon, and actually give y'all give y'all my findings, give you all my findings. What? How many African Americans? Uh, representing HBCUs do we have as scouts for the National Football League? Because I promise you, if we did, and maybe, again, maybe we do, maybe they're just not that high up on the, t- on, you know, on the tier. Maybe they're like a lower-level scout. But I'm interested. I'm interested, and so I'm going to, like I said, do my research and, you know, come back and let you guys know. All right? Wow, that segment just kind of got away from us. We were actually supposed to talk about the eight bands from the uh, Honda Battle of the Bands last week. Uh, We'll still try to squeeze that in if we can, but coming up on the other side, uh, we will talk bands, one of the bands that was there in particular, Grambling State University's world-famed director of bands, will be joining the show, Dr. Nicole Roebuck, the queen of the swack. Is up next right here on the HBCU Report. I am Rob Calloway. Don't forget, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at HBCU Report. All right, everybody in the car, let's go. What are we going to do first when we get there, Mom? Go for a hike? Sure. What about canoeing? Can we go canoeing, too? I don't see why. How long does it take to get to the forest? It's not that far, sweetie. <sighs> are we there yet? Yep, we're here. Already? It's a short drive from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. It's the HBCU Report with Bob Calloway.
This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway kicking off the third segment of the show. Hey, man, Shaka Khan, boy. Shaka Khan had that thing lit. <laughs> Whitney did a great job remaking, but Shaka Khan had that thing lit, boy. That's what the young folks say. I'm too old to be saying lit. My bad. <laughs> Don't forget to check us out. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at HBCU Report. And uh, still to come, Deshaun Tate from Atlanta Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Atlanta Hawks flagship station, uh, going to check in with us in the fourth and final segment uh, to talk a little Kobe. Uh, coming up in just a matter of moments, we have the Queen coming up. That's why I'm playing this right here. Uh, we've got the Queen coming up. Uh, Dr. Nicole Roebuck, director of bands, Grambling State University, uh, about to check in with us. But before um, we uh, go to the line and, and, and talk with Dr. Roebuck, uh, really quick, because I was supposed to give you my, you know, my thoughts on uh, the Honda Battle of the Bands and the bands that performed. Well, I'm just going to tell you all this as a as a band head, as an old dog myself representing Bama State. Oh, mother dear. Again, we come to thee. Right, let me just say this really quick, all right, about all eight bands. All right, now, the the thing about HBCUs is that every band does their own thing. Every band has something different that they do. Every band has, uh, you know, some reason that people like them. Like Florida A&M, you know, they have this huge band, and they have these drum majors that are like um, uh, mythical gods, right? You see these drum majors, and it's just like you see them, you're like, oh, my God, look at these guys. You know, I mean, but but fam has other things, other components that people, you know, why people like them. Uh, just like Tennessee State. People love Tennessee State for one reason or another. Jackson State, you know, the drum majors and the Tiger Run-On and all of that stuff. Um, uh, Grambling, same thing. Uh, Prairie View A&M, you know, you know, everybody has something different. And so the Honda Battle of the Bands is a showcase, you know, where we get to see what each one of these bands do very well. Okay, and so it's not a competition. For me, it's more of a recruiting tool because, you know, high school students get to see these bands and they get to see what these bands do at a very high level because by January, your band is through the roof. Like, this is the best the band is going to be all year because y'all have been practicing since, what, July or August or whatnot. And so, um, you know, my thing is from a historical standpoint, Tennessee State, FAMU, Jackson State, Grambling, Great to see them in the Honda Battle of the Bands. How uh, for you know my new school folks, uh, North Carolina A and T and uh, Prairie View. Great to see the see these bands. You know doing their thing. Prairie View actually has a phenomenal sound. Shouts out uh, to Ralph Chapman, who was my former uh, assistant band director at Alabama State. He was our arranger during my time there. He's the uh, arranger at, at Prairie View and assistant band director there. And so uh, they just did a phenomenal job as well. And then you've got schools like Benedict and Hampton that, you know, they're actually trying to, you know, get their numbers up and show that, hey, we're really good and you should come here and, you know, look at us. And so I think every band did a really good job of showing Atlanta and everybody that came to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium, you know, what it is that they do their best. And so I'm proud of each and every band. Uh, my band wasn't there. Bama State wasn't there. But I'm proud of each and every band. I'm proud of uh, the turnout. I'm proud of the response that the crowd uh, gave the bands. Because Atlanta is a tough crowd. 
My high school band director, Don Roberts, used to say that all the time. Atlanta is a tough crowd. If you if you don't get them going, like they'll be sitting there and, and it'll be quiet. But I think Atlanta showed up. The band showed up. Uh, shouts out to Tank, uh, R&B singer Tank. He did his thing as well. Shouts out to Big Tigger. Uh, you know, Rap City Raised Me. Big Tigger, uh, V103 here in Atlanta. Uh, DJ Technology um, from V103 did a great job. And so, oh, DJ Skills. Shouts out to DJ Skills, one of the best DJs on the East Coast. Uh, he also uh, was a part of that, and it was a, a phenomenal event. All right. So right now, let's turn our attentions down to Grambling, Louisiana, uh, where we've been joined on the line right now by uh, the director of bands for the Grambling State University uh, World Famed and the entire music department. Well, you know, but that World Famed, boy, everybody knows that World Famed. Uh, Dr. Nicole Roebuck joins us on the line right now. So first of all, Dr. Roebuck, thank you for making your first appearance on the HBCU Report. Well, thank you for having me. All right, so let's talk about this Honda Battle of the Bands. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on last weekend's event? was a wonderful experience for uh, not only the students, but for the staff as well. Uh, my students truly enjoyed it. Um, it was just an overall good experience. Absolutely. Now, um, you know, when you talk about uh, Grambling's world fame, there's, there's one thing that I have been so curious about that I've never been able to ask anybody about, and that's the perpetual motion where the band never stops moving. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, uh, our legendary band director, Conrad Hutchinson Jr., that was part of his tradition and legacy that we've been noted for, that we never stop moving from the time we hit the field until the time we exit. That's one of our staples, and we keep that same uh, tradition till today. Absolutely. This is the HBCU Report. Rod Calloway on the line with Dr. Nicole Roebuck. She is the director of bands, Grambling State University's world-famed uh, Marching Tiger Band, man. One of the, the, the best bands ever to, to grace a field, halftime or wherever, pregame, parades, Coca-Cola commercials, wherever. Um, now, now, just talk to us uh, briefly about how did this come to be, you know, you becoming director of bands at Grambling State? Well, I, I guess a little little history. I, I marched in a band at Grambling. I was I was a freshman in 1995. I'm telling my age now. Oh, no, you're just so, a year older than me. We good. We right there. We right there. Yeah. So um, uh, played clarinet, came to Grambling. But even before more, uh, joining the band in 95, as a little girl, I would spend every summer with my Uncle Joe. And a lot of people know him as uh, Joe Miller. Uh he was assistant director of bands here at Gremlin. So as a little girl, I would be down here at high school band camp, and my, my mom always wanted me to twirl a baton. And I told my uncle, I didn't want to twirl a baton. He said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I, I want a horn. And he said, well, you're not quite old enough for a horn right now, but when you get of age, I'll give you your first horn. And he did, which was a clarinet. He said, but until you're old enough, I want you to sit at the bottom of the ladder and make sure Uncle Joe does not fall off. So I didn't realize it then, but I, I say that's where I got my start because I would watch him on the ladder. I, I would listen to the band perform, um, home games. He would always analyze. At that time, it was, you know, VHS tapes. He would analyze the band uh, at night after the game, and I would always go in, in the office with Uncle Joe and, watched the band and it just became such a part of me. I was amused by it as a young girl 
And it was just a lifelong dream of mine to uh, march in a band and to come back and uh, work on the staff. Absolutely. Now, you know, it's unbelievable. You talked about being in a band. We know that in marching bands, we know that the majority of of the participants in most bands are females. We know this. Um, when you talk about clarinets, you talk about the piccolos, you talk about the flutes, you talk about the saxophones, you have girls that, that play, you know, trumpet, trombone, play everything. Um, in your opinion, why is it that, you know, right now, you know, it, it's it's a small club when you talk about uh, female band directors in the HBCU ranks. Why is that? Well, you know, um, I, I would say to answer that question, uh, and a lot of people ask me why, and I, and I think it's um, just sometimes people have a, a hard time wrapping their minds around what is known as a male-dominant profession. And uh, my answer to that is, you know, a leader is a leader, whether you're male or female. But, you know, in, in the past and history, this is a male-dominant uh, profession. And um, it's we're just coming into our own and um, being band directors in the HBCU realm. Yeah, I mean, as I, as I told and I was telling you this Saturday, too, like, it's just so unbelievable. You would think that, you know, because there are – uh, young ladies that graduate, music majors that go on to be elementary directors, middle school directors, high school. But for some reason, you know, and, and I'm glad you all broke through that ceiling. I mean, because the God honest truth is, is that, you know, with, with there being so many female participants, I mean, I, I would think that uh, when you go into a high school for recruiting purposes, I would think that that the, the girls see you and they're like, oh, oh, she's a, a college band director? Like, oh, this is something I could do. do. Do you ever get that response? Well, um, this past year, uh, several bands that we came across uh, and young ladies that were music majors and in, uh, in the bands that we were uh, facing up against, they actually either found me after the game or kind of doing halftime and I just want to speak to you and, you know, I'm just so glad that you're making things possible for me. So that when I get that, it's such an humbling experience, uh, you know, that I can be an inspiration to the young ladies that are coming up. And, I, you know, it's just my prayer and desire that I will set a wonderful example for them to follow. Mm. Absolutely. This is the HBCU Report. Rob Calloway on the line right now with Dr. Nicole Roebuck. She is the director of bands, Grambling State University. And I just can't say the world fame because y'all got a full music program. Y'all got everything down there. But, um, you know, when you talk about when you talk about these bands, right, when you talk about the swag, when you talk about the MEAC, you know, there are a lot of people and, you know, I'm a Bama State guy. Well, you saw me. Though. You know, I'm a Bama State guy. I'm a swag guy through and through. Uh, in your opinion, you know, we know that there's a difference, you know, between, uh, I'll say a MEAC band and a swag band, right? What, what, what are your thoughts? You know, when people try to compare the swag, which is known for, I, I'm just be real sweat. The swag at this point is known for cranking. Like, let's just be honest. It's known for cranking It's known for, you know, the dance girls. Uh, meanwhile, the MEAC is more so like, uh, they're more so known for, you know, musicality. You know, what are your thoughts on, on comparing the two? Well, you know, I, I don't I don't look at it as a, a comparison. Everybody, uh, each band, uh, each conference will have their own style. 
but at the end of the day, it's it's all about making music. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I tell everybody, you know, music is a as they say, music is a universal language, so it, it speaks to everybody. Uh, and so whether your style, and we do our best at Grambling to we have some songs that are, are or, you know, we say wide open. Uh, my kids call me the ballad queen because <laughs> I love ballads. Yeah, so, you know, that's, that's where I, you know, that's what I love to do. And um, so I try to make sure that I expose my kids to, you know, marches, ballads, I mean, every genre. And that's what makes uh, a complete book. You know, I have to explain that to them uh, when we go and, and face up against different bands to say, you know, hey, we can't go in there with one genre of music. You like rap, but what about the other people in the audience? Somebody else might want to hear a march. Somebody wants to hear ballads. Somebody might want to hear blues. So I do my best to uh, develop a book where we can reach everybody in the audience. Now, you know, it's funny that you brought up the rap songs, right? When I was in the band, and like I said, I crabbed the band at Bama State in 96, all right? So we right there. You know, it might be a few rap songs that would be in the book, okay? Everything else would, would be like your standards, right? You know, your Earth, Wind, and Fires, you know, your, your classics. What are your thoughts now that, that we live in an era where, you know, the kids actually just want to play rap songs, and rap songs are not always the most melodic? Correct. <laughs> Um, you know, and it just goes back to, uh, you know, teaching them about uh, the different elements of music. You know, I tell my kids, uh, you know, music is like a puzzle. You have to dissect it to its smallest element and um, put it back together to make a masterpiece. And I, I preach that to them every day. Uh, and if you ever come in my band room and the kids will tell you what three things uh, is Dr. Roebuck looking for in the song. They'll tell you pitch, balance, and blend. And I tell them that all day long. So whether it's a rap song or whether it's a, a ballad, at the end of the day, you still want it to sound musical. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're right. Now, before I let you go, I got to ask you about this because I know down there in Louisiana, I know from a, a football standpoint, just a recruitment standpoint, as a whole, I know that there's one school in particular down there that you all uh, compete with, talking about Southern University. Um, what is it like when you're actually going into these schools and, and, and you're actually competing um, against Southern University, trying to get these kids to come to Grambling? What, what is that whole experience like? You say in terms of recruiting? Yeah, recruiting and, 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 and more specifically recruiting against a school like Southern University that's right there in state. Well, you know, and I, I, you can look at Grambling Southern, but, it, you know, it, it's the same thing when we go to uh, Dallas and we're in uh, Prairie View's territory or we go to Mississippi and we're in Jackson's territory. You try to make sure that um, when the students are looking at your band program that the elements that you bring to the table will attract them to come to your program. And I have kids that I audition, I, like even this weekend, I, um, out of Shreveport. I had some came to Grambling and, and some went to Jackson. And I have a young lady in my band now. She's a twin. She came to Grambling. She played clarinet. Her brother went to uh, Southern. He played, uh, he played baritone. And at the end of the day, all I want them to do is go to school and mm-hmm. be successful, whether they choose to come to Grambling or not. You know, it's all about them getting their education. But we do still try to make sure that the elements that uh, we have stand out that will attract students um, to grammar. 
Absolutely. She is Dr. Nicole Roebuck, Director of Bands, Grambling State University. Dr. Roebuck, the queen. That's why I got to start calling you that. The queen. The queen is on the line with me right now. Thank you so much for, for checking in with me. I appreciate the conversation that we had Saturday. You are definitely a class act, and um, I look forward to talking to you the next time, okay? Okay, thank you for having me. All right, thank you. Great stuff right there from the queen, Dr. Nicole Roebuck. Director of Bands, Grambling State University. All right, folks, stand by. Coming up on the other side, we will talk with Deshaun Tate, basketball analyst for Atlanta Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Atlanta Hawks flagship. And, uh, you know, we're going to close it out talking Kobe Bean Bryant. This is the HBCU Report. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're going to go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you going to do? You're going to go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. you got to dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. I know you won't because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org slash caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. From Clark Atlanta to Morehouse to Spelman, it's the HBCU Report with Bob Calloway. kicking off the fourth and final segment of the show. Thank you guys for hanging with me. Don't forget, you can uh, hear the show on demand at any time via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play for Android, and of course, our official content partner, sportsnewsandbrews.com. When we're not here, we're there. There is sportsnewsandbrews.com. Oh, man. What a show it's been, man. Big shouts out to uh, Dr. Nicole Roebuck for joining us in the uh, last segment. And as promised, uh, we are being joined right now to close out this thing, talking Kobe Bean Bryant. Uh, we're being joined by Atlanta Sports Radio 92.9 The Game basketball analyst Deshaun Tate, who also has the number one rated hoops podcast, Tate's Tate, where basketball lives. You got to make sure you check that out. First of all, Deshaun, uh, thank you for joining me uh, today on the HBCU Report. Man, of course, you know, anything for you, bro. I just really appreciate you uh, bringing me on and having me on as a guest, man. I'm honored and delighted. 
Not a problem, man. So uh, let's go back to Sunday. Uh, where were you and, and what were you doing when you got the news, the tragic news uh, about the uh, helicopter crash? I was at home and um, I was expected to come on the air, actually, and just talk just general basketball like 25 minutes from the time that I heard the news. And um, I got a text message from the producer just pretty much saying they were about to change things up and talk about Kobe Bryant. And I actually thought that, you know, it was maybe somewhere along the lines of maybe, you know, him being inducted is going to be maybe a year earlier or something like that, or maybe got pushed back or whatever the case may be. And uh, actually, you know, just kind of hearing about, you know, the fact that he had passed away. And of course, I wanted to make sure that whatever news I could provide, which isn't much more at all than what anybody else knew. Uh, but more importantly, is that, you know, that there was facts behind it. And of course, I didn't really know who was all on the planet. I didn't know if Rick Fox, like they, like it was being reported or, or any of his other children or whatever the case. But um, that was probably one of the more difficult interviews that I ever had to do, man. It was very, uh, it was very complicated. Yeah. Now, how old are you, Deshaun? 35. 35. 35. So you right there. You right there with us. Yes, you, you no, just... no, 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 no. Oh, let, let's get something understood <laughs> right now. Okay. MJ, MJ was my MJ. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, what, what, what I'm saying. Yeah, I just, you know, because the thing yeah, about I it is, you, you know, de- depending on depending on that age bracket, like for me, because I am 41, you know, me and Kobe right. both uh, uh, graduated high school in 96, you know, so we right there. So for me, you know, I got to see it. You know, I got to see MJ. You know, right. but as far as saying like a whole career, like I got to see this dude's entire career from beginning to end. And, you know, mm-hmm. just depending on what age bracket you are, you know, you know, some folks be like, oh, man, yeah, you know. But, you know, let's just be honest, you know. Right. And, uh, it's time for this whole goat talk to be over with. Right. Mm-hmm. What you think? Yeah, I don't I don't I don't I don't I didn't really think that there was a goat conversation. I mean, not to me anyways. I just. I don't know. I um I was just always one of those people that always thought it was one goat and never really entertained a much different conversation than that. And I mean, I look at it like one guy wanted to emulate and pattern his game after another guy because he realized that that guy was the goat. So that's just kind of always how I viewed it myself personally. Absolutely. This is the HBCU report. Rob Calloway on the line with Deshaun Tate. He is uh Basketball analyst for Atlanta Sports Radio 92.9 The Game also has his own podcast, which is really good. Uh, Tate's Tate, got to make sure that you, that you check that out. Now, Deshaun, from, you know, talking basketball, from a basketball perspective, man, you know, mm-hmm. um, when did you become a fan of Kobe? I know I know that you're a, a huge Hoops fan and you got all this mm-hmm. knowledge and you're like a student of the game, but, but when was it that you realized, like, you know what, I think I like this guy? Uh, I really think it started probably dipping into closer to uh, Kobe's second year, uh, more between second and third year in, in the NBA. Um, you know, coming out of high school, a lot of those guys I'm just not really believers in just yet, and it's not that I like or dislike or just dislike, but because I'm not able to see the guys that were coming out of, you know, straight from high school, some of the Kevin Garnett's and the uh, Darius Miles and and just you know Tracy McGrady's and all of these guys. It's not that I didn't like them for the sake of not liking them, but I just didn't know what they could do. It's just like Lamelo Ball right now, essentially. Who although he's over in, in international level, uh, it's almost as if he's still coming from high school though. Uh, and it's just I didn't know what they can do. But after I seen Kobe's rookie year and of course looked good with the slam dunk contest and all that kind of stuff, but then having the ability in that second year to actually see what he could do where he. 
ironically enough, became an all-star that year. That's when I started becoming more of a fan. Now, I wasn't the biggest fan at that time, but when you start talking about him being put in position to where now he can, you know, um, put together a tandem and a duo with Shaquille O'Neal like that year prior, uh, with that Eddie Jones and uh, that whole crew, that's that's when I really started because the number eight Kobe, I wasn't as big of a fan of the twenty-four, but the number eight, that was my guy. You know what? And I tell people all the time, Deshaun, that that was it was the same, like you know, DNA wise, it was the same guy, but like, mm-hmm. but like number eight was like that lovable kid that liked to mm-hmm. you know like to have fun and was the rapper and was going to proms with Brandy and doing all mm-hmm. this little cute bubblegum stuff, right? But but like the number twenty four, like the number twenty four would would eat your cookies, man. You know, it was yeah, that my, was assassin code, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like, you know, we saw, and I was talking about it at the beginning of the show. Like we saw this dude evolve, man. We we saw him evolve from being a likable kid to a, a a foe that people really didn't, you know, like if you weren't a Kobe fan, you really wouldn't like. Oh yeah, Kobe, Kobe, Kobe. But then at the end. You know, he kind of he kind of humanized himself again, you know, after, you know, the, the retirement that we start seeing him really become the consummate father and businessman and, and, and all of that stuff. So uh, from from that perspective, you know, talk to me from that perspective. You know, we know it's, we know the basketball part, but mm-hmm. but but the, the Kobe Bryant uh, that we saw after basketball making that transition, because, we know, it's hard for these guys to make a transition. Uh, but no, to actually no make a transition to fatherhood and, and embracing marriage and, and life after basketball. Talk to me from that perspective. Well, let me say this first. Um, I didn't know Kobe as the, the as the person by any means. Um, I just know that after the passing, uh, I know that that whole time he had the kind of effect on me as to where I felt like I knew who Kobe was. Everybody did. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, with that being said, you know – from everything that I'm I, that I'm hearing, because I usually don't like to talk too much on things that I don't know for a fact, but from everything I'm hearing is uh, pretty much the fact that the that the job that he did, being a huge advocate for women's basketball. Now that is something I do know for a fact, and I think that that he's been he had done a, such a great job, and not just you know working with girls basketball and stuff like that, but even starting to move into things within the WNBA and women's professional basketball um, and just being a huge supporter of that. And I know that they had just recently gotten like a new collective bargaining agreement for women's basketball. And they're starting to really maneuver some things. Uh, I think that Kobe had his hand in on, on some of those things, just as far as about, you know, being a father and just being there for his kids. I can only imagine how tough it is as hard as he worked, like forget about just, you know, it's one thing to be the average NBA player or person that on an NBA roster and you still got to do all the same things with traveling and so forth as the next person but to be somebody who worked as hard as he did he had the raw talent but one of the reasons he had the talent com- in comparison or in addition to the uh, com- the competitive nature that he had is because he worked so hard on his game it was like uh, be the best or die trying kind of like he didn't just happen to have this talent out of nowhere and become this good Think about a guy who was in the practice facility all day, every day, preparing for games, preparing his body, going to games, traveling, doing all of these things, and how much he missed of his family time. Girls basketball games, I don't know, ballet recitals or dance recitals or whatever else, just family time in general. From the time that he finished playing basketball all the way up until this point where he passed away, 
you don't really have a lot of time in between that to kind of catch up. And I think that that's obviously something he was trying to do, which speaks volume in regards to what type of person that he just seemed to have been. No doubt about it. And uh, we're up against the clock, Deshaun. Deshaun Tate joining us, uh, Atlanta Sports Radio 92.9 Game, Atlanta Hawks flagship station, also uh, has the podcast Tate's Take, where basketball lives, the number one rated hoops podcast, by the way. But who is it rated number one by Deshaun? Oh, that would be number one rated by me and my friends. If your friends Absolutely. ain't pulling for you, my brother. <laughs> if you don't believe in your own product and your people don't believe in your product, I'll tell you what, but I will say this much. The people who say that, I got a really good feeling. I've been cool with them for years, and they make me feel really good. Either they lying to me to my face and I need to find new friends, or they really believe it. But either way, it's still numero uno. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right, man. So, look, before I let you go, man, just what? okay, moving forward. You know, okay. as a basketball guy, you know, what, you know, how does, how does basketball, like, how, how do we move forward? I know life is going to keep going, but we see all the tributes. We see LeBron got the new Mamba tattoo and all of this mm-hmm. stuff, you know, but, you know, in your opinion, how, how do, how do, how do we get past this? The league get, get, gets past this. Is it just continuing to, to, to finish out the season or, you know, how do we, how do we move forward? I don't know. It's going to take some time, man, but I think that that's where, you know, people uh, need to really come together in regards to uh, the commissioner. This is where commissioners make their big money, if you ask me, because we've seen some of the things that transpired over time when, uh, and God rest his soul, but David Stern, when he was the commissioner, um, and there was times that I wasn't really sure because basketball seemed like it was going in a really bad place, and I wasn't sure if it was going to come up out of that. You know, the Magic Johnson, you know, announcement in 91 and the malice in the palace and everything else. But we found a way. And a lot of that was because of what David Stern put in place. And I think because of Adam Silver, uh, I think that there needs to be something put in place as well. And and I I feel like I I can trust him in that position. And then people who's the face of the league, like LeBron and, and a couple others. Uh, I think need to kind of come together and try and help make that process a little bit easier. I hate to put it on his shoulders, but the reality is what it is. Um, And so I I think that you go about it in that way. And I just hope that we see competitive basketball because, listen, I don't know if there's going to be another person as talented as Kobe. We know that there may have been very few people more talented than Kobe. Maybe, I don't know, all this Kevin Durant stuff, certainly Michael Jordan, but, you know, uh, maybe even LeBron James. We have no – I know it's premature. We don't know what Zion's going to be. But one thing that Kobe brought that we don't see a lot of anymore is that competitive nature. Uh, And we see it in few players like your Russell Westbrooks and your Pat Beverly and just a couple others that are sprinkled in from time to time, Draymond and whatever. But we don't see nearly as much competitive basketball. And I just hope that we kind of get back to that point uh, because that dude had the killer instinct and there's a reason why they called him the Black Mamba and he had a Bamba mentality. So I hope that people more so embrace that than anything. Absolutely. He is Deshaun Tate. Uh, basketball analyst for Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, Atlanta Hawks flagship station. Also, uh, his podcast. Make sure you check it out. Tate's Take, uh, the number one rated podcast, Hoops podcast, uh, where basketball lives. Deshaun, thank you so much. And uh, I know you're going to be joining me in about two weeks when we get ready to start uh, get ready for a tournament talk. So oh, yeah. uh, I look forward to that, and uh, I appreciate it, brother. Hey, man, appreciate you. At Takes Take Hoops on the Twitter, T-A-T-E-S-T-A-K-E-H-O-O-P-S, where basketball lives. Absolutely. Appreciate it, man. All right, well, 
That about do it for this week's edition of the HBCU Report. I'd like to thank you guys for tuning in because, as I tell you each and every week, without you, there would be no HBCU Report. Spread the word. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend that the HBCU Report is live every Saturday morning, 9 on the east, 6 on the west, via Spreaker, iHeartRadio, and the TuneIn Radio app. Or you could always check the show out on demand via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play for Android, or our official content partner. Remember, when we're not here, we're there. There is sportsnewsandbrews.com, your official source for sports, black news, political news, and the latest on your favorite craft beers. No HBCU report next week. I'll be in New Orleans for the New Orleans Rock and Roll Marathon, so y'all pray for me, man. Woo, this is the biggest race I've ever been in, other than life. All right, and if and if y'all guys have not taken anything else away from this show, remember, it's all about how you control the dash, and we know that Kobe Bean Bryant controlled the hell out of the dash. We have those two sets of predetermined numbers, born date, death date, but we have that dash in the middle, discipline, attitude, sacrifice, habits. That's how you control the dash, and we know Kobe controlled the dash. And matter of fact, those acronyms don't. That's really the mama mentality, ladies and gentlemen. You got to have discipline. You got to have the right attitude. You got to be willing to sacrifice something. And your habits, you got to have the right habits. So that about do it. That about do it for two weeks until, uh, what date is that? I don't know. Oh, the 15th. Yeah, February 15th, the day after Valentine's Day. You guys be easy, man. Have a great weekend. And this is the HBCU Report. It's the HBCU Report with Bob Calloway. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. Five-hour energy helps you get through your crazy on-the-go life. And now it comes in two great tropical flavors, strawberry banana and tropical burst. They're delicious and can transport you to a tropical paradise. Try them both, then vote for your favorite at 5hewin.com. You could be on the go to someplace you actually want to go. Offer ends 731.20. Terms apply. See www.5hewin.com for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.